You're listening to Dodge Movie Podcast. Your hosts are Christy and Mike Dodge, the founders of Dodge Media Productions. We produce films and podcasts, so this is a podcast about films. Join them as they share their passion for filmmaking. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Dodge Movie Podcast. This is episode 108. We are going to talk about the 2021 film Pig. We watched this for free on Hulu. So as long as it's there, if you hear this and it's if it's the month of March, hopefully it'll still be there for you and you can watch it if you have a Hulu subscription. This is a Michael Saranowski written and directed film. He did Monsters and Men in 2018. But this was his kind of first big picture. It stars Nicolas Cage, Alex Wolfe, Adam Arkin, Cassandra Violet, David Nell, and Tom Walton. They're a little bit uh, further down on the cast list, but I have worked with both of those people and you have worked with one of them. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to include them. Yeah. The DP for this is Patrick Scala, and he also did Monsters and Men with Michael. And Michael wrote this with a co-writer named Vanessa Block. The synopsis for this film is a truffle hunter who lives alone in the Oregon wilderness must return to his past in Portland in search of his beloved foraging pig after she is kidnapped. I got two taglines for you this time. All right. First one is we don't get a lot of things to really care about. Okay. I mean, I kind of. I think the reason that this was chosen, it seems out of place. It, I believe that Nicolas Cage's character, Rob, says this to Chef... Fenway? Chef Fenway in the restaurant. Right. It makes sense after the fact. Yes, it makes sense. And this is the reason that Nicholas wanted to make this film, was that line. Fair enough. And he said during the film... They were going to get rid of it. And he was like, you can't get rid of it. This is the reason right. I said yes to this film. I will walk. <laughs> so I, so it's poignant when it happens in the film, but taken out of context as a tagline, I think it loses something. Agreed. So I like this second tagline, who has my pig. Mm-hmm. I like it too. <laughs> right. Because it's pretty much what the whole film is about. I, I would also go with variant on that a line of dialogue we heard a couple of times. I want my pig back. Yeah. I think that's yeah, it's right there. I liked it. All right. A couple bits of trivia. This was Nicolas Cage's 100th feature film. Wow. Credit to Nick. Right? 100 films. You know what would really celebrate that well is appearing on a local podcast. <laughs> he just missed our 100th episode. Ah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll shoehorn him in. So this made me really sad, especially after my second viewing of this film. Um, Nicolas Cage said that there were a lot of similarities between him and Rob. He previously stated that in a movie called Joe that he did in 2013 was the closest to him in real life. He said that it's highly unlikely that he will ever be able to watch this film because he felt that he laid himself out so bare and it would be really difficult for him to watch himself. And he said that after doing this film, he felt that he had become seasoned as an actor. I hope that his hygiene is better than the character of Rob. (laughs) In the press that he did for this film, he looked much better. He looked like himself and maybe he was filming the unbearable weight of massive talent. And that's who that's how he looked in in the press. Maybe 
Mr. Cage, having his Italian background, grows a beard faster than I do. But when I see him in this film, the commitment he made to growing out that shaggy mane of hair and bushy beard, thats it would have taken me quite some time. I mean, at least a year to get to that level. So that's commitment. Some of it, I guess, could have been hair and makeup, although I saw on YouTube, which I may just include it in the show notes because it was really entertaining for me to watch. He was learning some culinary skills from a local chef and he had that same hair and beard. So I do believe that that was real. I don't believe it was fake. What is the pickup line for this film? Here you go. Come on. I believe it's Rob talking to his pig. To the pig. The pig is so cute. The pig is cute. Now, I made a note. This is in hair and makeup. Is the pig has nice mutton chops that that are reminiscent of the character of Rob's beard. But I don't know that we ever get a name for the pig. I I was just going to say that. I think the pig is unnamed. He just calls, come here, pig. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was was, uh, good filmmaking because later in the film... He makes a comment that he doesn't need the pig for the truffles. But then when I thought back, the first opening scene shows him digging up the truffle and Mm -hmm. tasting the dirt himself. And in fact, if I recall correctly, I think he digs up the truffle before the pig gets there and he shows it to the pig, which at the time I didn't notice that that sequencing. But later when he said that, I thought of that. There is a scene where... The pig is running through the forest where kind of, I believe the camera is behind her and it's low, kind of like tracking her. Mm, Like the speeder scene from Return of the Jedi. (laughs) Yeah. And I believe he walks behind her. But you're right. He is forging. And I think that we find out about Rob's character. He's lost everything. And so I could see someone not really wanting to get too attached to anything by naming it. Because maybe he knows, like, if if things get really bad, like, I don't think he would eat her because... No, she's part of the family. Not only that, she's helping him kind of make a a, living. As we find out from later in the film, I I believe she is filling in for his wife who didn't make it. Just in a companionship kind of way. Yeah. No, he doesn't have inappropriate relations with the pig, despite what some people said. But in that he needs... His love, he has put on that yes. pig. Yeah. Right, his feelings. And I think it's also good writing in that his character doesn't really redeem himself, right? There's no feel-good Hollywood ending. No, 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 no. Nope, there's now, not. Now, one thing that is great visually, but I just really had a hard time with, I mentioned before the hygiene. He He's basically homeless. Right. And he appears like, I mean, he lives in the shack and as we notice, uh, it's, it's got gaps in it. It doesn't even uh, like forget insulation. It's not even close to the elements. And I guess he's not technically homeless. Then. Yeah, I guess he's not an urban outdoorsman, but, but then he gets the crap beat out of him. And so he's blo- uh, twice. So he's bloodied and filthy through most of the film. Through most of the film, so that can be a little hard visually, so brave from Mr. Cage to be looking like that. But then he ends up cooking in several, or going into several, like, cooking establishments. And and it makes a great visual sight gag of this guy who's disheveled and bloodied and dirty and ragged in these clean areas. 
But I also do wonder, like, I just not sure most people would, even if you, that was your good friend would say, Hey, um, Rob, would you mind just standing there on the stairs? I'll go get you your croissant. We'll be right back. It's just a movie, Mike. Okay. <laughs> it's just a movie, Mike, would be a great name for the podcast <laughs> that talks about this podcast. <laughs> Or maybe a chapter in my autobiography. But here's the thing is, they're not just movies. I'm sorry. They're stories. It's truth. I know. But I just, I'm saying, I think I can see the filmmaker making the decision. I mean, we kept saying it. Like, I can't believe he didn't wash his face. Like, over many days, he has the blood on his forehead from getting hit and the shovel in the opening scene. Mm -hmm. And then I would say, maybe not even a third of the way, a fourth of the way in, he gets the tar knocked out of him right in line cook fight club (laughs) and so he's got a bloody nose and a bloody lip and the fact that you wouldn't but he had many opportunities to like wash his face like just throw some water on your face and kind of clean up and he doesn't so obviously the filmmaker didn't want him to get cleaned up this isn't a story where he has a miraculous makeover, and then lives happily <laughs> ever after. It's the swan turn where it no. turns out he's really quite handsome underneath that. No, well, that's I, not so the story they were telling. I can uh, I can accept that from that character, Rob. But I what I what I find just a little bit bumped me was that no one reacted to it. Yes, that was shocking. Like when he goes, and I'm going to put this in the show notes because um, I love David Nell. He's a fantastic actor. Yeah, he did a he, great job. He did a great favor as as all of the actors who participated in Annex. Maybe I will put Annex in um, the, the yes. link to Annex in our show notes so you guys can listen. Um, I'll have to look up which character he voiced. Um, but in that scene with David Nell, he walks up and here he is. It's a five star restaurant and right. the chef walks up in his crisp white. And you mentioned. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I was going to bring that up later. The, that scene. Do you want to talk about it now? Well, just to mention, I noticed from a set and costuming that everything, well, not everything, but there's so much white in there. So there's white of the tablecloths and the napkins, but also the people in the restaurant all had either white or light clothing on and the windows behind it. And there was so much white. Yeah, there's so much white in there. And I'm sure it was, again, a directorial choice to make him stand out more as this like transient character. Right. And so cheery chef Fenway walks up. (laughs) <laughs> and in his crisp white coat and he doesn't even have a double take like who is this person sitting in my restaurant and he doesn't recognize him at first because then i could have maybe bought that like oh that's chef robin feld but ugh, something went weird but he's a famous chef so we'll just kind of let it go right it's right. such a great scene so yeah. check it out you guys actually <laughs> while I'm, we're talking about it chef finway and rob met at hestia in the film and his new restaurant is called Eurydice. It's a reference to the struggle shared by every character in Pig. Either they can look backward and despair on their lost passions or look forward and experience the terror that it may already be gone forever. Towards the end of the film, this is from IMDb, by the way. Towards the end of the film, Rob muses to a mirror, played by Alex Wolf, I believe. Wolf, I think, yeah. 
that if he never looked for his pig, she would still be alive in his mind. Finally, the character who took that from him is functionally equivalent to Hades, who keeps his wife as prisoner in the state of undeath. Also, I mean, you you might argue if you're a physics major, that's Schrodinger's pig. Yes, there was somebody else. I thought I put that in my notes, but yes, they mentioned that in the in the trivia also. Mm-hmm. It was like Schrodinger's cat. Yeah. If you don't look in the box, you don't ever know. Right. But I want to give another tip of the cap to David. Now, one of the things we've talked about before, I think, on, on the podcast is the infamous spit bucket for food scenes <laughs> because you have to do multiple takes. And if the actors consume the food or drink, they can rapidly become painfully full. Mm-hmm. So generally you have the spit bucket. And in this case... And and you would cut away. So mm-hmm. the actor puts the food to their mouth, you cut away, they spit into the bucket, and then we take another 13 takes of that. Mm-hmm. But in this case, uh, we see David Nell basically pound a glass of Pinot Noir. Yeah. And it is straight. There is no cut there. And right. So a tip of the cap to him, because I know I have maybe two of those in me before I am in pain volumetrically. That's right. a pretty big glass of wine. Right. I do remember hearing Nicholas talk about they only did one or two takes of almost every scene. Very Dustin Morrow. Right. Yeah. Which is, I think, actually, if you go into it telling your talent that's what you're doing, I think that can be a creative constraint. So they, because I I think if an actor thought, well, I have a dozen takes to get this right, they'll take different chances. They'll do different things, right? It's just a part of the creative process. But if you tell them, look, we got two, then, you know, that's going to focus them up in a certain kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yep. There were a lot of mysteries in this. Why was he letting the line chefs hit him? Why doesn't he clean himself up? Who was the little boy in the house that he visited? Why was nobody wondering why a homeless man is talking with a little boy? <laughs> who is Amir? And finally, who is Amir's father? That does finally get answered near the end. A little bit. But... Not until almost the very end. This is an interesting thing because I had a note for casting that I felt like Adam Arkin and Alex Wolf both did fine in their roles, but they did not seem like they were related. Well, I think I I bought it because you're right. They didn't. But I bought it because there was enough um, exposition that led us to believe that Amir knew his father was disappointed in him. Right. Knew his father didn't expect or think highly of him. And so he was trying to earn his way into his father's graces. So that's where I bought the lack of closeness. Well, I understood from a story perspective, I thought it was interesting because I couldn't point at another relationship uh, between two characters and say, that's what they did different. There's something that was missing here. It wasn't necessarily the physicality, I think. They looked enough alike that it it wasn't that, right? You know, the one person wasn't like a seven foot tall Chinese guy and the other guy was, you know, but there was something that was missing there that I didn't, didn't quite buy it. And Mm -hmm. I would love to know what it was, but I can't put my finger on it. And that's not a criticism of those actors. It's just that I knew from the rest of the film, that was the relationship between those characters, but it didn't land for me. Mm -hmm. So what about the right... Okay, let me start here. Did you like this movie? I did actually like this movie. And what was it about either the cinematography, which we haven't really talked about a lot, or the writing that you that 
led you to that assessment? So I think from the writing perspective, there's two things that immediately jump to mind. You haven't asked me that question before right now, so I'm talking off the cuff. Yeah. But one is I did like the pace, right? Not necessarily that it was slow, but it was considered, right? I liked that unfolding. Apparently, Michael kept saying to Nick and Alex, slow down, slow down. Yeah. He said he would sometimes say speed up, but for the most part, it was slow down, slow down. So, and we spoke of that when we watched it. It was very right. intentionally, not boring, not no. drawn out, no. but it definitely was a much slower pace. Right. And I, I liked the verb that I picked, unfolding. Imagine, uh, to me, it was kind of like a piece of origami that was slowly unfolding, and that was neat. And the other thing that I really responded to in the writing was that passion that it's as simple as he just wants his pig back. He loves his pig, right? It doesn't have to be more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. And I responded to that. And that is credit to the entire casting crew, but in particular, Mr. Cage, that his performance where he has not many lines. If you like tallied up how many lines he has, I don't think he has as many as Amir. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say a whole lot in the film. So that's great acting there, in my opinion. But just, I, I think it really came through that passion. Here's a person who has, for whatever reason, transferred all of their love and all of their care abouts to this pig. Mm -hmm. And I got it. And I like that. Yep. I did too. I love this film. I'm, I was so excited to choose it and have you watch it because it is a little bit more of a thriller. So it's not one that I think you would have picked, but I th thought you would like it. Uh, you're you're right. I don't know if I ever would have said, I want to sit down and watch this film, but I'm glad that I saw it. That's why we have a podcast, so I can force you to watch movies that I think you should watch. Well, And this is good for me as an artist to, to stretch my bounds, right? I definitely need to continue to be aware of the things that are in my wheelhouse, but it's also good to see different things, including things that uh, I don't necessarily respond to. Now, this one I did. Right. I was, Really, I think it's quite a good film. Yeah, that would happen to me sometimes in film school. I wouldn't have never picked the movie Moon. Mm -hmm. And I actually love that movie. The one that we saw recently that we talked about was 3,000 Years of Solitude. Uh, even when, it was, if somebody had told me before I saw it, my description of it after I saw it, I would have been like, eh, I don't think that's my cup of tea, but I really did enjoy that film. Yeah, you really like that one. Yep. Um, nearly an hour of this film was cut from the movie as distributors thought it was too long. So this was two and a half hours. I, I think that was a good choice. <laughs> I, I, I think it's unfolding worked well at the length that we saw it. I think more than that would have been too much. Yes. Yes. And we talked about all of the white in the restaurant scene right. out of respect for his porcine star. Director Michael Sarnowski tried to implement a rule that no bacon or ham should be served on the days that the pigs were on the set because there was more than one pig. There's he, there is credited understudy for the pig, yes, which I love. Yes, they used a couple pigs. Oh, and credit to him for that. Uh, director after my own heart, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> but he lost that argument apparently. Yeah, which I don't. I think I would have gone to the mat on that one. And I want you to know that on my films, we haven't served any human either, yes, right? Out of respect correct. for the cast and crew. Yes, this is correct. I can attest. Mm -hmm. The sound in this film, I definitely have a sound note at mm. the very beginning because it's just Rob and the pig outdoors, not only foraging for the truffles, but then he comes back 
and he makes a mushroom tart. And so you've got the sounds and they almost seem like they jacked them up. Mm-hmm. You can hear every footstep. You can hear the shrubs. You can hear the birds. You can hear crickets. You hear probably water rustling. I mean, it was just I loved it. I mean, showing off the Oregon forests for the beauty that they are. I was very I was a proud Oregonian in watching this one. Yeah. And I- This is more maybe in the writing category, but I did mention while we're watching this that when I heard the premise for basically someone had kidnapped a truffle pig, it it struck me as silly, but it actually struck me as realistic because some number of years ago, there was a murder in area over these mushrooms. I don't know if they're truffles or chanterelles or something like that, but I, I didn't even know that people took mushrooms that seriously so apparently there's enough money and it doesn't require a tremendous capital outlay so that people do rely on mushrooming i think there's probably a word for that kind of foraging oh there is a word because one time when i took my son on a our son on <laughs> On a field trip, their choir group was staying at this camp, and so were all these mushroom people. Well, there's, there's, it's like myconology or something. There's, there's aficionados, but I more meant the people who do it as a business to like forage. Oh, yeah, because so I worked with a fellow who did this, and in fact, you've met him coincidentally in several of our film and theater related activities, and he mentioned that there. You have to be careful because this is on public lands and you're not supposed to harvest them in a way that prevents the them from growing back and and all of that. And in fact, I did say to him one time, oh, well, I found I have a photo of, of these mushrooms. And he says, well, I think it's a blah, blah, blah. So I found the photo and showed it to him. He's like, yes, that's a blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so he knows these mushrooms enough where, right. where even without seeing the photo, he's like, oh. I think I know what you saw. Yeah. It was amazing. So it's there, a great photo. There are. It really is. I really like it. <laughs> uh, maybe we can put that in the show notes. Yes, let's put it in the show notes. But my point is, there are people like that who also go a step further to make it their their living, their vocation. Yes. And but what I find odd about that is it's on public lands. So unlike a farmer who has his own property, which is presumably fenced off, and he can say these are my strawberries, you can't touch them. Here it's kind of first come, first serve, and there's enough money involved. Apparently people can get a little violent. Oh, my goodness. So that leads us into, was there any head trauma in this film? There was one notable bit of head trauma. Um, Poor old Rob takes a shovel to the head at 11 minutes when they want to steal his pig. Was it a shovel? Because I thought that they maybe picked up his cast iron skillet and hit it. Oh, okay. I didn't see it. I assumed it was the shovel because of the digging. But yeah, it was some implement to the head. I think it was his, which I think would kill somebody if you hit him over the head with, with a cast gun. iron skillet. Yes. Yeah. So the skillet is heavy enough. It's got enough momentum that, yeah, it may even just break your neck, but it would have caused tremendous trauma to the brain. Now, if they hit him with a stick, like a just a piece of wood, firewood, I could see him surviving that with a wound, but mm-hmm. surviving that. So he gets hit in the head, though. And then a little bit of head trauma with Fight Club. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, I didn't think of that. But yes, he does get punched in the face a bunch. So that is more head trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Poor Rob. He's having a bad day. He really did have a bad day. This is a bad week for Rob. Yeah, kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe there's any smoochies for Rob. Smoochie, smoochie, smoochie. There are no smoochies. 
at yeah. all. I don't even think he leans down and kisses the pig. Not that I recall. Mm-mm. No, it, it's kind of a you know a filial affection. Yes, yes. All right, and oh, there is a little bit of driving. There is some driving. So, Amir drives a yellow late model Camaro, which I I think kind of says rich kid, right? Of his age, I think that worked out pretty well. There is unfortunately car trauma at 54 minutes when Rob beats the living tar out of that car. Did that hurt your heart a little it bit? It did. It did hurt <laughs> I, my heart. I feel like I heard you whimper. When... I did. It was very tough to watch. Trigger warning for my other auto files out there. I, I would say I don't know that Amir would let him eat pastries in his car. That car looked very well taken care of. I don't think pastries would have been allowed. But Ultimately, though, I did have a bit of a problem. Rob Rob had a pickup mm-hmm. out in his area, and so they they uh, play a lot of transmission grindy sounds, which I don't think is really true. As I guess it's possible, it had a slower. Did leak. you see a gear shift? No, and it was while he was moving. It was like somebody thought this this means car's not working. What's far more likely is the tires would be flat. If he hadn't driven it in that long, um, that would be his challenge, not transmission fluid leaking out. And then it overheats in like 20 feet, which, again, most likely not going to happen. Um, so that was a little bit, or maybe it could have had somebody on set that could have helped him out with that. Amir probably would have stolen the catalytic converter. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, that's more common. Right. Instead of stealing a pig... You just steal the catalytic converter for the titanium. Yeah, the junkies that stole the pig also would steal yeah. the... Yeah, they would have already stolen the catalytic converter. Yeah. See, I got it. And I didn't pay attention, but it didn't sound like they'd cut the, they cut the exhaust system open, but maybe they did. Maybe there's extra loud exhaust there. <laughs> Shall we go to the numbers? Let's go to the numbers. So really quick before I uh, tell you the numbers, I wanted to say that late 2022... On top of reopening studio doors, in addition to massive talent and Renfeld, Nicolas Cage is in various stages of discussion for sequels to the big productions such as National Treasure and Face Off. So Pig's success allowed the actor to raise his price from the indie movie price to his quote is now $4 million. That's what it's going to take for me to get him in a feature? Yep. All right. He's now getting more. So this film's budget was $3 million. It brought in $3.1 million domestically and $3.8 million worldwide. But like critics loved this movie. So I think film. budget isn't always everything. Right. It has a 97% from the critics on well, Rotten Tomatoes. And it covered its nut even with the VIG. I think it's doing fine. Right. And audiences followed suit also giving it 84%. IMDb, I think this rating, I mean, IMDb is always low, but 6.9 out of 10, I think easily you That's could unfair. say a seven, seven and a half, eight. Yeah. I mean, this film is really good. It's only an hour and a half at um, an hour 32. It's rated R. It's listed as a drama comedy. We pause it at least four, three or four times. I think we actually pause it more. We were pointing out the two actors that we knew in this film as well as sharing some trivia that we both had read so this one got paused quite a bit yeah (laughs) but out of love like we were just we love this movie it helped with the pacing Uh, the studio is ai films and it won a ton of awards i'm not even gonna list them 
It won 37 awards and was nominated for 71. You can go to IMDb if you want to see exactly what they got. They did get some, a couple bigger named uh, films. So congratulations to cast and crew. Like I said, we watched this for free on Hulu. This is the second film of our March films. So be be on the lookout for our social media with some clues. Also listening to the episodes will help out. Call us, text, or send me an email with your guess at what the theme is. And remember, if you are a monthly winner, you get to pick a film for next year that we will watch. So that's a prize in itself. That's right. Never forget. Dodges never stop and neither do the movies. Thanks for listening to Dodge Movie Podcast with Christy and Mike Dodge of Dodge Media Productions. To find out more about this podcast and what we do, go to dodgemediaproductions.com. Subscribe, share, leave a comment, and tell us what we should watch next. Dodges never stop and neither do the movies. 